Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. We are the Big 12 Podcast on the Andy Staples Show and Friends Podcast feed. Thanks as always for listening. My name is Jason Kersey, and I'm joined today, as always, by my good friends Max Olson and Sam Con Jr. Guys, how are we doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? <laughs> you know, getting by. We're all right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Max, that's not very convincing, Max. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we reached the uh, mid-season point of this this fine season. Uh, I can't that, believe that feels good. I can't believe it. It feels like it is just blown by, doesn't it? it to me, yeah. anyway. It really yeah. does. Although it feels like that every year, I, I would say. But we've got a lot to talk about today. We since we are at the mid-season point, we're going to go through some mid-season awards that we've uh, we've doled out. We're going to look back at how horribly wrong we were um, in, in some cases with the uh, over-under uh, podcast that we did earlier this year. We're going to get into picks. Uh, Max is making a furious comeback. Let's go. <laughs> but first, let's start with Bob Bowlesby, uh, Big 12 commissioner at Big 12 Basketball Media Days, made some comments to the Austin American Statesman um about his trust factor with uh, Texas and Oklahoma, about how he considers – what they did, a personal betrayal. Um, th- that got a lot of attention yesterday. Max, I know you've done a lot of reporting. You've talked to Bob Bowlesby a bunch of times. What was your reaction to this? Yeah, not really. Point? I mean, I don't know. My, I guess my first reaction to like to that was like, is this news? I mean, like, yeah, is, this, is this surprising that <laughs> things are still uh, more than chilly between Bob Bowlesby and Texas and Oklahoma? Um, there's, I think, still a pretty real frustration about um, I, you know, let's use the word betrayal because Bob Bowlesby did. There's still a lot of frustration about that, about how it played out about, you know, I know in, in talks with him, you know, the, just the frustration level about how deceptively they went about this, which, you know, I suppose you have to in order to pull it off. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that, you know, those relationships haven't improved. Obviously they're in a standoff now about when Texas and Oklahoma are actually going to leave, uh, the big 12 and, it's a, uh, you know, these kind of comments, I, I suppose they do sort of remind everybody like <laughs> this is, you know, this is not just sort of set off to the side. Like this is uh, still very present. These relationships are, are still very fractured, probably will stay that way in some ways. And uh, I don't know, Sam, I mean, I, I think part of what, why this was newsworthy is because Bob Bowlesby, I don't think he's talked to the Austin American statesman since any of this stuff happened. Uh, I think he kind of stopped taking calls from the, from the folks in, in Austin and Norman uh, that, that cover those, those programs. So did, did any of that surprise you yesterday or, or what, what stood to you? No, none of that surprised me. I think when Bob sees five, one, two on his phone, the area code, he hits that ignore button. That's right. Uh, send the, the voicemail. voicemail. That's yeah. right. So oh, the thing that stood out to me the most in these comments were the comments about Texas football. Uh, you know, Brian Davis asked him about the, the idea that Texas know you have, an easier path to the playoff in the big 12 and we'll have a much harder one in the sec. And, you know, he said, that's, that's not my responsibility to explain that to him. And he said, if they're thinking they're going to recruit better and they're going to get more money, if anybody that thinks that Texas football problems have been a result of league affiliation, they're completely delusional. And I was like, wow, Bob was not holding back in his uh, commentary on the state of Texas Longhorn football. So clearly he's upset and none of this surprises me at by any stretch, I think, you know, you know, you've talked to Bob and 
we know he, he talked uh, before the Texas Senate Select Committee back mm-hmm. in uh, August, and we, we know how he felt. He, he, he pretty much said how he felt, that he felt betrayed and that he was friends that just basically operated in the shadows and, and you know, hurt him and hurt the league. And I, I understand that, but I also understand the fact that if you're Texas and OU, you probably had to do it this way because if it gets out before this thing is almost in the bag, it, it certainly hinders the ability for it to happen. So it, it's I certainly understand where Bob's coming from. Uh, but I also understand why Texas know you did things the way they did. The, these guys also have to choose their words very carefully um, until this, you know, until this divorce is, is finalized, whenever that is, because like, I know as much as it might be fun to alienate those two schools and their leadership and all of that uh, for the rest of the time in the conference, you also are, are not trying to give Texas and Oklahoma ammo that, well, you aren't treating us like a member of this conference. Why, you know, that gives us a right to get out of it. Um, you know, with a reduced fee or whatever. So this is the weird thing is uh, they, you know, there's lots of people in the big 12 that want to take their shots. I'm sure Bob Bullsby more than anybody, but you also have to approach this with, with still some sense of fairness to the two members, because um, you, you know, you still have to invite them to meetings. You still have to invite them to votes and all that stuff, because you can't, uh, if you start treating them like, uh, like an ex member, then that, that probably helps them get out of here. Yeah, and that, that was also one thing that stood out to me is I don't know if we have ever gotten it confirmed or someone to say on the record what their status was at the vote, but but Bob said that they were allowed to vote. Texas and OU were allowed to vote on the new members, but they abstained from voting. So that was interesting too. But yeah, you're right. You you have to everybody has to play nice publicly uh until this divorce happens. So uh it, it, Texas and OU keep saying 2025, which I know none of us on this podcast believe that. In one instance, Jason, Man, you what, talked what if it really is a 14 team league for a year or two, you know? Oh, I, I can tell you, the, I can tell awesome. you the, the new members would love that. <laughs> the new members yeah, would love a chance yeah, to play Texas and Oklahoma. But I, I talked to Chris Del Conte before I read river, Jason, I know you talked to Joe Castiglione before red river and they were definitely keep choosing their words carefully and trying to steer as clear as they possibly could about the sec topic. Yeah. They, the, I think the reason we got those interviews is because we, you know, we had to sort of agree to some topics and, and saying like, we're not going to talk too much about certain things in the sec because they wouldn't talk about them. We, we got them to talk about their relationship, but uh, I, I, I actually did that interview with a couple other people and uh, Barry Trammell tried to get Joe to go there and he, and he immediately was like, uh, no, no, Barry, sorry, not going to go there. So um, I, I find the words personal betrayal sort of interesting because I know that they're friends I understand that, and I understand that it is a betrayal on on some level. But well, and, and Del Conte and Castiglione were legitimately very good friends with Bullsby. No, that's I, part I, of what it's yeah. what it is. No, not, I not, it's not about the presidents. You know, the presidents have been in charge right. for a year. It's not about those guys. Right. No, and I understand that. At the same time, it's like what what was either side supposed to do? I mean, if OU and Texas decided that going to the SEC was in their best interest, they couldn't involve Bob Bullsby in those in those d- debates, could they, I mean, could, is it like uh, when you're leaving one job for another and you negotiate with the old job to see if they can help you out? I mean, is, is that how it was supposed to go down in, in his, in his mind? I think it, I think what they would have wanted more is uh, notice that this was going on, notice that they had problems with the big 12, whatever they needed to be happier in the big 12, all that stuff happens at the very, very end there when it's already a done deal. Right. I'm sure that's part of it, but you're right. It doesn't change the outcome. Yeah. So 
anyway, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's going to be interesting to follow for the next few years as this thing, uh, as this divorce sort of plays out. Um, another uh, kind of funny, interesting story uh, out of the Big 12 this week. You know, Kansas State started off the season with so much promise, the win over Stanford, um, the win over Nevada. I think everybody was really excited about, about their, the possibilities there, but they're, they've, they've lost three straight, they're 0-3 in the Big 12. And uh, Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman uh, thinks that he's found a potential solution. Let's listen to what he had to say uh, this week at his press conference. I know that we have to challenge each other as coaches and challenge each other as, as players to be better, but you need to do that with a positive mindset. And sometimes we all have a tendency to take it from the negative standpoint. I'm telling you guys, 18 to 22 year olds can't handle the negative side of things. And we have to, I'm asking you guys, I'm asking for your help. We need to be more positive. I know we can play better. You know, we can play better, but we've got to give these kids more positive things because we've got a great locker room and there are kids that do care about each other, kids that love each other, coaches that believe in these kids and we can't give up on them. I'm sorry, Chris, but that's not how the media works. <laughs> well, what, what, not what? not all of it. There wow. is some of it that does. Wow, Jason. <laughs> you know, we're trying. You're, you're we're trying to be part of the solution. You're trying to be part of the problem here, Jason. Come on. Now. <laughs> I can promise you, I know a few media members, quote unquote, media members in my in my day who would take chris up on his offer me too me too uh, i'm not one of them but i, I do know some <laughs> in college football in particular does it i mean okay so jason i'm picking up on your tongue do you find that like that that idea like offensive or is that i mean yeah. is there probably some merit to like look let's 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 like let, this was not going to be like a playoff team or something like should we shouldn't we keep expectations like a little bit realistic here you know? yeah no that that's fair that's fair and, and i just think it's it's an example of sometimes the disconnect between what coaches think our job is and what our job is i mean um it's not the kansas state media's job to prop up the program or to tell everybody that things are better than they really are yeah. um at the same time you know i i do sort of understand maybe reining in expectations but um, I, I just, I just found the whole thing kind of funny. I mean, sure. uh, that, that, that's the sort of thing that, that you, you don't really see that often, but I, I sort of, like I said, I, from Kleiman's perspective, I guess I understand why he, why he might think that. I, I also I think, I also when, go ahead. I was going to, I remember when Tom Herman took over Texas, he, he implored the media members to, uh, it's an you know, a similar story. type of message. Uh, oh my goodness. Of, of, the um, pizza party. Yeah, that's an old <laughs> um, you know, we're, we were we were warned at the start of his tenure, like, you know, you're not going to do anything to hurt the program. And, uh, you know, certainly I think there was an expectation of positivity and all that. And and I remember <laughs> I remember one one longtime columnist in that room was like, it, it ain't worked like that, man. That, yep. That's not how it is around here. We don't care if you win or lose. That's the job. As I as I said, when I, I remember, Max, when you told me that story about Tom's first meeting with the media and all those threats and all that nonsense that he did. I told you, I said, Kirk Bowles has been here before Tom Herman and he's going to be here after Tom Herman. <laughs> you can believe that. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, here, I take it as with climbing. I think it's taken it as a guy that's kind of under some stress They're they're losing things are not going well. You're trying to figure out any way to get things going. And to me, that just comes out as, Hey man, I'm trying to do anything I can to get this team you know, any little detail that I can make happen that can help this team succeed. I'm going to try it. And so yeah, and that, that's what it tenure, feels like to me. 
you look at the tenure in Fargo too, and you say they didn't do that much losing, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I, certainly, I think that uh, not to say. I mean, there, I'm sure there's a little bit of an adjustment um, just in terms of figuring out. Okay, when you got a team that's uh, kind of go either way, you know, what are the, what are the things you need to do to fine tune and, and press the right buttons and, and get this team to, you know, uh, make good on its potential um, and, and get to a bowl game and all that. But that's also just part of being in this Big Twelve. You know, it's just it's not the Kansas State's getting absolutely destroyed by everybody i mean they're 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 they've they're not a terrible team we no. certainly saw against oklahoma they 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 played them pretty close um yeah. so i don't think they're that far off um but uh that's that's part of this conference somebody's got to lose these games yeah yeah no no doubt about it and i i still think they're going to be fine there with chris Kleiman. i still think he's a great coach i and like you said max i mean it's not like they're that far off so um, but, but it was just sort of an interesting, uh, interesting aside this week. Yep. Okay. Um, so we are a little past mid I guess it depends on the team, whether they've played six or seven games, but we're, we're pretty much at mid season here. So, uh, we, I, I wrote this week, the big 12 mid season report. I encourage everybody to go read that on the athletic. I hope you all read it on the athletic. Um, but uh, we, we wanted to go through some, some awards and, and hand out, we, we got several to get through here. Um, how do we want to do this? Max, you want to, you want to lead us off here? Sure. Sure. Well, you know, we did this last year, uh, had a lot of fun with it. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty standard, pretty standard here. Uh, first off, I don't know that this is going to take a 20 minute conversation, but, uh, who, who do you guys think is the, uh, offensive player of the year so far in the big 12? <laughs> B. John Robinson, baby. No doubt gotta, about it. It's got to be B. John Robinson, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, I think that there are some other guys having nice seasons, but it's, but B. John is on. I was kind of expecting you to be like, forget everybody. It's Caleb Williams. It's always going to be Caleb Williams. <laughs> we'll you know, to, if he, we'll, if we'll he started one game sooner, maybe. <laughs> Caleb freaking Williams, man. We'll, we'll get to Caleb Williams, believe me. But okay. right now it's B. John Robinson. Yeah, I agree with Bijan, and I think um, you know, Sam, you had a chance to see them a few times this year. Um, the way and you saw it last year with Devontae Smith, like I mean, you have to give Sark credit for like he knows who his dudes are and he gets them the ball. You That's know? right. That's right. And, it's and been a lot of Bijan and a lot of Xavier Worthy. It, it, for, for sure, for sure. And um, you know, there's obviously a lot of parts around him on offense that uh, haven't been very consistent. Uh, but man, Bijan is. Uh, that guy's the real deal. That guy's the real deal. He, he, I think he'd be a first rounder this year if he came out without yeah. question. Yeah, th- there's no doubt about it. And I, I mean, I think that, y- you know, watching that OU Texas game, and I know we'll probably get to him here in a little bit, but Xavier Worthy is unbelievable. That was, that's the guy I came away from the OU Texas game going, oh my God, that guy is going to be a problem for the rest of the Big 12 for the next yeah. couple of years. Yes. Yeah. Speak, <laughs> speaking of red, speaking of Red River, I had to do the Texas midseason report and had to pick the best play. And I picked the 50 yard run that Bijan did, where he made about three cuts and made about six, seven Sooners miss on the way. You put Billy Bowman the in the ground. Yeah. 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 That was, oh that was God. impressive. But I guess the, the only hang up about B, the last couple weeks, the last couple games, the second half hasn't gone as well for him, but it hadn't gone as well for the entire team. So the entire team. They, they, it's not really fair to pin that on Bijan. They're not blocking very well. They're not executing very well. And I think the play calling has been a little sideways in the second half too. So yeah, yeah, that's fair to say. All right. Defensive player of the year so far in the big 12, I wrote down like eight names because I think you could go a lot of different directions here. 
I, I yeah, I think it's I'm going to go with Jalen Petrie from Baylor. I think he's just he's putting up some unbelievable numbers this year. Leads the league on tackles for loss, playing a, a, a really interesting hybrid position. Um, I, I could have gone with Malcolm Rodriguez at Oklahoma State, too. I think he's right up there, but but I'm going to go with Petrie. Yeah, I like both of those guys. Uh, Peach, Petrie, I think I'd give him the slight edge just because of how versatile he is. He, he He's co-leader in interceptions, too. He, he can cover. He can rush the passer. He can get in the backfield. You, you Whatever you want him to do, he can do it. He's a perfect player in a modern-day college football defense. But I saw Malcolm Rodriguez last week against Texas, and he is fantastic. Sound linebacker, terrific tackler, smart player. Uh, definitely one of the best in the Big 12, in my opinion. I think you could go wrong with either of those two. Yeah, for sure. Two two veteran dudes who um, really really key pieces and really really interesting uh, sort of positional versatility they can bring in in some ways. Um, I, I would also just say when we're, when we're kind of looking ahead here to end a season, I think you probably got to put Dylan Doyle in, in consideration. He probably put Will McDonald in consideration if he if he keeps racking up sacks. Nick Benito continues to just be one of the most disruptive guys. Um, I know Overshone's played well for Texas, but I think they're uh, you know. Uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, you know, has, has, has had some good plays as well. So uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't, I don't know that this is necessarily like a runaway thing so far this year. And, and obviously Mike Rose won it last year and, and, and I'm sure will be, you know, obviously it's probably got a few guys that'll will be in consideration there if they have a big finish here. But uh, yeah, I, I like, I think I probably like Petrie at this point in the year. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go to coach of the year. And this is, this is an interesting one for me because I, I think that sometimes we tend to overlook the coaches of the best teams in these sorts of situations. I think it's probably Dave Aranda at Baylor, probably. But I also think you could make the case just because of the quarterback move for Lincoln Riley. That was a ballsy move to, to make at the time he made it. And so I, I, I think that Oklahoma has, has overcome a lot. They've won a lot of close games. They finally hit their stride. They're probably, I mean, I think they're probably going to end up if not undefeated 11 and one and right there in the playoff mix. So I think you can make the case for Riley, but I, I given the improvement, I'd probably go with Dave Aranda if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm agree with you on Aranda. I, I do think you're right. I do think you can make a case for Riley because it does. It is not, we discussed it on the pod in recent weeks. It's not easy to make a move mid season that way at that position when you're as good as Oklahoma is, but I give it to to Aranda, not just because of what they've done this season, which has been remarkable, but because of the moves that led up to the season. He had the confidence and the decisiveness to make the moves on the offensive staff, which clearly were necessary, but those moves have worked out well. Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator, has been terrific. Eric Mateos, the offensive line coach, Chancey Stuckney, receivers coach. That entire offense looks night and day different from what they did last year. They were pitiful last year. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't protect the passer. Now, all of a sudden, they're one of the best pass-protecting teams, and they're one of the best running teams in the conference. They are the best running team in the conference right now. So I got Aranda because they're 6-1 right now, and I don't think any of us had them there at that start of the season. Yeah, I I, I would lean Aranda, too. I, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to pull off the moves that he made this year. Um, and look, I mean, you know, if you want to say like, well, it's his fault that he was in that position, like you could say that. I mean, I, clearly Larry Fedora was a bad hire and a bad fit. And, and there were some choices on that first staff that you after one year, you say, OK, this this doesn't work. We got to We got to make some some fixes. But um, I think, you know, Sam, you wrote a great piece this offseason about um, Dave Aranda's kind of continued evolution to figuring out how to be a head coach. And uh, I think we've seen that this year. I think we've seen 
an awesome job. And, and look, maybe you put a, a lot of it on the pandemic last year and, and the, the difficulties of rolling out a, a whole new thing there for a team, talented team that he inherited, certainly from, from Matt Rule. Um, but I think that you've seen you've seen what he's capable of doing this year, um, and it's impressive. And it really does look like at this point, you know, we'll see how they finish it and, and, and you know, move forward and all that. But it does seem like, you know, Mac Rhodes nailed that higher. Um, and look, certainly look at what LSU since then, too. I mean, it, it goes to tell you what what Dave Aranda brings to the table for your organization. So um, I would lean him. But, Jason, I think you're probably right. Like, we know it's incredibly difficult to go 12-0 and in the Big 12. So if Oklahoma were to do that, is that almost like automatically give them the award, you know? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, but I and does Mike Gundy belong in the conversation too right now? I'm not I'm not saying I think yeah. Oklahoma State's going to go 11 and one or anything, but um, you know, they and they've might. got a huge one this week against Iowa State. But uh, certainly, they have taken a team that is, I would say, uh, talented, but not as talented as Oklahoma, um, and a team that's not really like necessarily playing their best on offense still. And they've, they've found a way. So I think that that deserves some praise too. Yeah, n- no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And on the Dave Aranda, on the pandemic front, I, I do sort of feel like anyone who was a first-year head coach during a pandemic deserves a little bit of a mulligan. Yeah. Um, so. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search the Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. All right. Well, moving on to top coordinator, um, Sam, why, why don't you start us off with that? Yeah, I just alluded to him a little bit ago, but Jeff Grimes at, at Baylor, I think, is probably my number one pick. But I would give probably one A to Jim Knowles at Oklahoma State because, man, look how that defense is playing. They allow 19 and a half points a game. They're second in the conference in yards per play. Uh, they, they are the reason Oklahoma State is undefeated right now. Uh, just just how they play defensively. But I probably give the edge to Grimes just because, again, how bad they were last year in so many facets offensively and how much of a difference it made. They made the right choice of quarterback with Gary Bohan, and he's worked out beautifully, 12 touchdowns, one interception. So either of those two guys I think you can't go wrong with, but I, I would go with Grimes. Yeah, I think that I, I those would be the two that I, I wrote down as well. I think the the thing you have to sort of maybe tip this in favor of Grimes right now is Jim Knowles has had many years to recruit uh, to his defense and to develop guys like the like the Malcolm Rodriguez's of the world who um, you've put in many many years in this defense you know what you're doing it's no surprise they're they're executing at a high level because they've got a lot of guys back and and those guys have learned a lot from Knowles and I think he does um, as good a job as anybody on on defense in this conference um, Jeff Grimes took what he got and put it all together and and made this thing look really, really good, just as, as they did last year at, at, at BYU. And I think that you have to give extra credit there for uh, the improvement of the O-line, which was not has not been good enough even in 2019 when they were playing for a Big 12 title. And 
they're doing it with a new starter at quarterback too. Um, and the numbers that Gary Bohannon's putting up, and I think we'll probably get to him later, but um, <laughs> no one was expecting him to like be Zach Wilson, but man, he hasn't, he hasn't made very many mistakes so far through seven games here. Yeah. Th- those are two great choices. I feel like I, I, when I was making my list of all these awards, I felt like a, a coach putting together a depth chart, a lot of oars. Yeah. And cause I yeah. literally wrote down Jeff Grimes or Jim Knowles because I, I think they both have an excellent case, but I think I'd lean towards Grimes max for the same reason you said that he sort of came in, took what he had and, and has been unbelievably good with it. Um, all right. Now time for top freshmen. I think this is a very interesting, uh, a very interesting one because it could go a couple different directions again. Um, Max, who do you have for top freshmen? Um, so I put together uh, the athletics uh, midseason all freshman team this week, and uh, which is an interesting challenge this year because, you know, what, what what's even a retro freshman anymore what's with all these guys getting extra eligibility? And there's a lot of guys that are listed as freshmen on rosters that are in their third year. I, I wouldn't consider that freshman. Um, I, for top freshman, I would go Xavier Worthy just based on what he's done over you know a longer stretch of games than Caleb Williams. Um, also wanted to shout out Colin Oliver, the defensive end for Oklahoma State. He's he's had a nice impact uh, for them uh, as a disruptive pass rusher. That was a really nice pickup. Um, but I think Xavier Worthy, man. Like if Sark hadn't flipped him from, from Michigan where he signed with Michigan, like if they hadn't done that, Sam, like what, what does this offense look like? (laughs) I apologize for laughing because that thought is pretty horrifying. Uh, He's made a big difference. I mean, he's the guy who's been able to stretch the field for them uh, on offense. How just, he makes their quarterbacks better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, no question. I mean, think of the first play of red river. I mean, takes 75 yards on his own. Um, I agree with you. I think it's, to me, the best freshman through the first half of the season is, is Xavier Worthy. The best freshman in the conference is Caleb Williams. The, the best player as a freshman is Caleb, and there's no question. It's just that he hasn't played that much. He's only really uh, played two games, started one game, and played major minutes in another. Uh, good shout-out on Colin Oliver. That guy's terrific. I like him a lot. I don't know that I realized he was quite that good until I saw him, but, man, he's he's a fantastic guy. So we've got a lot of them, but I think – to this point in the season, I go with Worthy. Yeah, I, I went with Worthy too. I mean, uh, 30 receptions, 559, six touchdowns. And then what he did in Red River. Um, I, I think he I, leads all freshmen nationally uh, in, in receiving yards. Um, just very productive. But Jason, are, as you're sitting in the press box now, are you just watching with hard eyes when, when Caleb Williams drops back <laughs> there and runs? I mean, like that has to be like just watching that last weekend, man. Like that was just. Uh, it's just kind of magical what he's doing. Like it's just they're a different how, team. They're a different team. Our guys are just like running wide open now. Yeah, and uh, you know the run game's popping everything. It's just like uh, I, it, it, it's like you waved a wand and all of a sudden this kid makes it all click. And that's not to say Spencer Rattler's terrible, but for some reason, I uh, you know you put this guy in and everything works all works now. Yeah, now it looks like the two thousand. You know, it may sound crazy to say, but it looks like the 2018 offense with Kyler Murray back there. Obviously, Caleb Williams is a little bit of a different body type, so it doesn't look exactly the same. But it, uh, but th- that's how they are operating. He can run. He's made Kennedy Brooks look like Kennedy Brooks again. He's throwing deep downfield, and and guys are getting running wide open in a way that they weren't when Spencer Rattler was in there. So. Um, I'm going with Worthy, but but if Williams had played the whole season, I feel like I would have gone with uh, with Caleb Williams. I do want to say, Max, you you raise an interesting point about 
all these different classifications and who's listed as a freshman. Don't you think the NCAA, when they made this blanket mandate, they should have made a blanket rule that says, this is how you're going to classify guys. Cause at OU, everybody advanced to everybody advanced a year and they're just, you know, whatever, but at some schools, they're not, that's, that's annoying. Yeah. They just, they, they, they made that change saying like, this is the right thing to do. We have to do this. And then they kind of just yada yada the rest. (laughs) (laughs) And now they're like, Oh, well, now we got to give everybody seven extra scholarships in their recruiting classes. Now, huh? We probably could have like maybe, maybe made some policies that fit together, but uh, you know, we're just kind of, kind of winging it now. Yeah. All right. Policy baby. Yeah. The pandemic has just confused and changed everything for everybody. So, um, all right, next up, we got best portal pickup, best portal pickup. Uh, Who who are you guys going there? You know, Jason, we've got the, uh, all all portal team today on the athletic as well. New feature on on the site. Uh, did the mid mid season team. We'll do an end of season one as well. A couple big 12 players in that. Um, the one that he didn't make the team, but I think you would probably go with him would probably be Jalen Warren, I think from Oklahoma state and just the way that he has, you know, he's run for hundred yards in all of his big 12 games ran for 200 against Boise. And, and as you guys saw down the stretch against Texas, man, they are, yeah. they can really lean on him. And he is such an interesting player to watch. Just really a bowling ball type back. Um, that is, is hard to get down. So I think him or, or maybe, um, Jacob Gall or, or, or Grant Miller from Baylor, the two offensive linemen transfers that, that have really solidified that spot. But I think Jalen Warren's been, I think, continues to emerge as a guy that is unbelievably important to this Oklahoma State offense. Yeah, Max, I, I like Jalen Warren here too, but I also really like Obina Eze at TCU. T- left tackles are are you know hard to find. This guy's come right in, started every game at left tackle for them. So I, I think that he deserves at least a mention as well. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Obeneasy's been great so far for TCU. Been the, the Memphis transfer really solidified left tackle spot they needed. That it, after it was really play. hard to pick linemen for this all portal team because they're just not many, not that many that have come in and just like been plug and play starters. And 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 the Big Twelve has had a few of them this year. They've they've really uh, lucked out, and he was one of the best pickups for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So been been a good 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 guy for them at left tackle. I think my pick is probably Jacob Gall. He he was a pretty good player at Buffalo and has come in and has been fantastic in the middle. Uh, I did an all Texas team today. He's my all Texas team center uh, today uh, for Baylor. He's been he's been fantastic in the middle for them. And again, the night and day difference on the offensive line. Uh, it starts I think in the middle with Gall, and Gall's been terrific uh, up front for them. This next one's a little tough, guys. Best quarterback. Normally, we in a normal Big Twelve year, uh, I feel like we'd be, you know, looking at, at you know, I, I don't know. I feel like the stats would be a lot more inflated. It would feel a lot different. It's a little bit hard to pick the best uh, quarterback this year, and I had a hard time with it. Do you know who leads the Big Twelve in completion percentage right now? No, who's that? Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, so I'm not saying we should pick him. I just thought that was interesting. And he is he is still on the team, right? He's he's he, eligible for this. As he is the guy still, still on the team. He is still a member of the Oklahoma Sooners. Okay, good team. to know. Good to know. Yes. Um, I I think I'm going to go Gary Bohannon. I think he's just playing the best. I'm not saying he is overall. You know, it, it, is he going to be the All Big Twelve quarterback at the end of the year? He could be. He could be. Um, I think that several other guys you could you could definitely mention here. Um, 
but Bohannon's got 18 total touchdowns and one pick. And, uh, you know, I think that he's, I think he's number one in QBR as well, uh, among players and uh, QBs in this conference. I, am I, am I wrong to say that, that it's, I think it's, you know, especially with the, the start they've had moving into the top 25, I, I kind of think body of work here, uh, yeah. has been pretty strong. Yeah. I think, it, I think he's been more consistent than everyone else. You know, Casey Thompson didn't start until the second, uh, third game of the season, and he's been good, but he's leading the Big 12 in passer rating right now. The highs have been really high with Casey Thompson, no doubt. Right, but but he's had a couple of tough games. They, they had a tough game at TCU. They had a tough game last week against Oklahoma State. So a little uneven for him as of late. Uh, Bohannon definitely has been a little bit smoother. And I know their schedule was light on the front end, but it's beefed up here on the back end, and he continues to play well. They, they got out to a really quick start against West Virginia, uh, you know, going up. I think three touchdowns early. The Iowa State they started quick, and a lot of that goes with Mohan and the way that he's uh, running this offense. I think I think he's a fine pick. I also think we talked about him a bunch already, Caleb Williams. But it's it, he's just he hasn't played enough yet. But I think at the end of the season, Caleb Williams is probably the first team All Big Twelve pick at quarterback. Oh man, that would be unbelievable! I people are talking about Caleb Williams for the Heisman already. He's like, I think I'm, I'm leading that man. I'm leading that because it's wide open. I mean, it's this is just open. a really weird year where I'm not. I'm sure there are some voters who would say, you know, no, I would never vote for a guy that's only played. I mean, what will end up being seven, eight games? Something. Like I mean, that, yeah. of of significant action. I know he yeah. he got in for some. Uh, you know, short yardage stuff, but I mean, I, I'm sure there will be voters that are like, no way, this is about 12, 13 games, but this is the kind of funky year where I feel like he's got a shot. And also, you know, I feel like it is worth mentioning, is, is it possible that, you know, with a strong second half, Brock Purdy ends up being the all big 12 quarterback again? Certainly possible. Yeah, I, I think it's certainly possible because they seem to sort of be coming into their own here. Um, I have down Gary Bohannon as well. Um, I, I think that like, I mean, you guys said it all, he he's been, he's been very consistent, run that offense really well. Um, and that moves us into most improved team, which I don't really feel like there's much. We, we can, we can debate get on this one pretty fast. It's Baylor, right? It's Baylor. It's Baylor, Baylor bears. Okay. okay. Moving on. Uh, next up, we got most unpredictable team. Who wants to take this one first? Mm, so I think you could, you could kind of define this a few different ways. So the ones I wrote down would be TCU, Texas, and then of the, I mean, is West Virginia in that category? You feel like? Yeah, I feel like West Virginia. That that was the first one I wrote down actually because they they dropped the early game to Maryland. They went and beat West Virginia. Then they played really really well against Oklahoma. Yeah, but also lost a home game to Texas Tech. Yeah. So I cannot put my finger on West Virginia to save my life. So that they are definitely my pick for most unpredictable team so far. I left the Oklahoma West Virginia game thinking they're pretty damn good. Like they're not yeah, bad. Right. It'd be so, interesting to go through our picks and see which team we've we've all been like the most wrong about. We should have we should have done that for this one. But I uh I feel like TCU is in the conversation too. Now we've seen TCU can play well. Um and they've they've lost to good teams, but uh Boy, I, I don't – as you look at the schedule ahead, it's hard for me to feel, like, very good about knowing how how much of these coin flip games are going to go for TCU. I wrote down – yeah, I, I wrote down Texas because they have at times looked like 
a playoff. I mean, the first half of the Oklahoma game, they looked like they could, you know, run away with the Big 12. First half of the Oklahoma State game, they looked like an excellent team. And then in the second half, they looked terrible. So, and then obviously there was the Arkansas game. I originally, guys, I originally, when I was filling this out, wrote down Iowa State. And then I realized, no, it's completely predictable what they've done. Right. It's it's 100%. A lot of recent history. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, because I do think they're kind of coming into their own here. Um, All right. So next up, we're each going to say the thing that we were the most right about. And I'm going to start and say Oklahoma State. I did say in the preseason that I thought Oklahoma State was going to be better than than predicted. Now, one thing I was wrong about on that, though, was that I thought their offense would be a lot better than it has been. But uh, but I did think Oklahoma State had a chance to make a run. So, I have it. I have it written down here, Jason. I went back and looked, listened to the preseason. You said you had them over the seven and a half wins, and we'll get to this later. But you said, quote, I think they can beat TCU and Texas. Well, they've already got one of those down, and they'll probably beat TCU based on the way this thing is going. So <laughs> I, I was impressed. You got you got the Cowpokes uh, right. You, and you, you said it, too. They're usually good in a year when you don't expect them to be. And here we are. Yeah. The, the thing that I wrote down for I was most right about, I, I, this is how I put it, Texas still doing Texas shit. That's that's what I wrote down for because my... I I was skeptical at the start of the year saying like maybe instead of thinking this is an eight or nine win team maybe this is a six or seven win team and I think the ceiling is still there because they've got one of the best players in the country that they can lean on to win win tough games um, but I think that like <laughs> when we watch the Louisiana game Sam you're the I think I know the impression that that Texas gave a lot of people was wow what a difference a coaching staff makes in how they just handle their business and and there's no there's there's no you know sort of no drama and playing close games and all that stuff and uh i think there's just been enough mixed results from them so far um part of it is you know deficiencies of talent in in certain positions part of it is as you guys have said second half struggles against really good teams of just not being very consistent. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, treating Texas like it, like it is a year one thing, um, I think is, is, is probably still the right way to go here. So I do feel decent about that, 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 you know, they're not, they could end up in the top 25, but I'm not, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I was, I was with you. I was pretty much on Texas and you and I, we talked about in the preseason, just, where I thought their roster was, I don't know that I thought they were ready to contend in the Big 12. And I think they fooled me a little bit with the performance they had against Oklahoma, them finally vanquishing TCU. But I, at the start of the season, I thought this was an 8-4 and four team. And, and when we talked about, well... They probably still are. That's, are probably they, right, right, that's, that's where I think they are. And, and if we were leaning one way or the other, if they're going to trend either uh, to, to 9 or to 7, I said I think it's probably trending closer to 7 to seven yeah. and five. So I think that's right where they are. They're going to end up probably being a seven to five or eight and four team. And a lot of the roster deficiencies that we thought at the start of the season have bearing themselves out so far. All right. Next up is a thing we were most wrong. Oh, about. What, what were you most right about, Sam? That Texas. Oh. Yeah. Texas. Texas. That's, okay. that's gotcha. the one. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Sorry. Fair enough. Sorry. Um, thing we were most wrong about. I feel like we might all have the same one here but i'm but but i'm gonna let you guys go first i want to see what you say i'll start i'll start i've got i've got a couple um i was i was definitely wrong on oklahoma state i thought they were going to struggle in in the conference and they haven't 
Uh, and I was definitely wrong about Baylor. I, I thought they were a five or six win team. I thought they were maybe make a bowl and they're already bowl eligible now with five games to go. So uh, definitely wrong about Oklahoma state and Baylor. I know you were high on tech too. To be better. Oh, well, no, I was, well, tech is five and two right now. Let's, let's, let's not, I know their finishing schedule is, is difficult, but they are five and two. Well, they are. I, I say all that. I'll tell you the one I was really wrong about TCU. I was in yeah. on TCU as the third best team in this conference as a team that could possibly sneak into the big 12 championship race. And they are sitting three and three and look nothing like a team that can do anything of the sort. So TCU is probably of all those. So I was wrong about multiple, but I would say TCU is probably the one that I'm most wrong about. Yeah. For me, it's a couple things. TCU is the number three team in the league. Wrong about that. Just felt like didn't really think that it was, it's possible that they'd have kind of like four consecutive seasons of mediocrity. And I mean, this season could still turn around. They've got some good pieces, but it seems to be kind of heading that way. Um, Spencer Rattler is the number one pick and Heisman Heisman finalist. Um, not looking so hot there at the moment. <laughs> hey, but he's leading the big 12 completion percentage. He is. There you go, Jason. Um, and <laughs> lastly, I am not yet willing to say that I was wrong about Iowa State. I'm not I'm not there yet. Okay. I'm not saying they're top 10 team. That though that preseason level was too high for them. But I could see them in the Big 12 title game. Yeah. I mean and look if they win out and win the Big 12 and that and starts Oklahoma, this week, right? I mean that that starts this week against yeah. Oklahoma State and we'll pick that game. But you know, and if you lose this one you're out of it in, in a lot of ways, but um, if they get past Oklahoma State this week, I think that they're they're back in the conversation. And look, if if they win out and finish, uh, you know, ten and two, and and then win the Big Twelve and or eleven, they could be a top ten team easily. They will be a top ten team. So um, yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's a good that's a good thought. I I was wrong mostly about TCU. Um, I really thought, like you said, Max, I did not think they would go through this long of a stretch in this much mediocrity. And I will also say I was wrong about Spencer Rattler. Um, I mean, I think everybody was, but I'll, I'll, I'll own that one. Um, he, he was supposed to be the next big thing, the next big sensation. And, and look, but it's not like he like threw 20 picks this year, right? Right. right? right? Like, yeah, yeah. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yeah, It's he was, he was he was okay. He was just okay. And Oklahoma needs him to be more than just okay. And here's the other thing. He's still extremely talented. He may still get drafted next, next spring. Uh, I, I think it'd be hard, but he's, you know, he could still potentially have a really good combine and get picked in the fifth or sixth or seventh round. And, or he could transfer somewhere else and, and end up being the guy we thought he could be. So well, it's not over for Spencer Rattler. No, it's not. It's not. And also generally speaking, I think everybody was wrong about the top quarterbacks in the country this year too. It's just been a super weird year where, you know, DJ at Clemson's really struggled. Um, Sam Howell at, at North Carolina, I thought he'd have a monster year and, and he's putting up good numbers, but uh, UNC's not playing very well. Keaton Slovis, like you can go on down the list. There's a lot of guys that have not, not really been what you expected at the quarterback position. And, and, you know, Rattler's one of them. Next up is best big 12 game. And I feel like we can blow through this pretty quick, right guys? It's obviously red river, red river, baby. I, I, I didn't go to it. Was that, was, was it good? I mean, it was, I didn't, it was, it was all right. It was, it was all right. right. Okay. All right. That was good. That, that, wow. I'll just, I'll just take your word for it. I mean, it's, it's not just the comeback. It's also the finish guys. Like, yep. People think that once OU took the lead, it was over, but it wasn't. Texas went down and scored again, and OU had to score with, what, 
three seconds left to win. So direct snap. Uh, I mean, a hell of a call to, to finish. Lincoln Riley a, gets credit for that. To, to bring it back to the beginning, just such an eat your heart out moment to Bob Bolsby. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That is that is one way to put it. Um, all right, Jason, one of our favorite categories that we did this last year. We got to do it again this year. Yes. We gotta we gotta go best Kansas performance. The Jayhawks have one win, season opener over South Dakota. Is that is that it? Uh I wrote down the Duke game. They ended up yeah. losing that game by 20, but they were winning at halftime. And if not for about a six-minute stretch there in the third quarter where they gave up three touchdowns. It might have been a little bit closer. So I'm going to go with the Duke game. Although Duke has not won since then, I will say. <laughs> I, I was impressed with them against Coastal Carolina because they yes. were in that game for a while. Coastal Carolina, yep. of course, ranked. And, of course, they were they were winning. They were undefeated until last night, until App State got them. But uh, I, I think they played pretty well against Coastal because after that South Dakota game, I was like, oh, they're going to get hammered against Coastal Carolina. And they actually were competitive for a little while in that one. Yeah, I, I would say um, certain parts of the Coastal game would be the best performance from Kansas for me this <laughs> season. They led 9-7 to seven after the first quarter. And um, I think the specific moment when Jason Bean had the long touchdown run and they kept, cut it to 28-22, that was, uh, that was a moment there when you know, I think the whole, the whole country was thinking, is Kansas a top 25 team? Just for that brief <laughs> little moment. <there. laughs> wow. Um, all right, we got two more of these uh, to go. Uh, next up, we're going to ask, at this point, if you had to vote for the Heisman today, who are you voting for? And I know we've already sort of touched on how difficult this is, Max, but uh, who, who do you Well, got? we've been doing the weekly Heisman poll, so I don't know how you guys have been voting in this. We haven't really compared notes here. Um, I think right now, if you ask me who's going to win it, I'm almost tempted to say Matt Corral. Okay. Okay. Is that who you voted for? Um, I believe I did have him first this week. Yeah. Um, I, there's, but there's just, I mean, shoot, there's so many guys that I think you have to say are still in the mix and a bunch I can think of that I think are about to make a run here. Um, especially some of those guys at Ohio state. Um, Sam, what, where are you at right now on the Heisman poll? I have Desmond Ritter number one in my, in my straw poll, just because he's got that team number two. They went the road win at Notre Dame. He's played really well. They've played well after that Notre Dame game. They've been dominant ever since. So I've got Ritter one. I had Kenneth Walker the third, too. I had had Bijan on my ballot, mm -hmm. um, but the last couple of weeks he slid a little bit. So uh, just because they, they just Texas hasn't finished well and, and he hasn't gotten the ball a lot in the second half. But but Ritter's my guy. But I think any of those three are, are, are worthy at this point. Uh, they, they've, they've had all terrific seasons, but Ritter's the one who I have number one right now. I have really had a hard time with that Heisman uh, straw poll. I think I put, I had Bryce young at the top this week. Um, I, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, it's just hard. <laughs> I, 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 I had Kenneth Walker, the third, second, I want a running back to win it really bad. So, um, so he would certainly be on the list. He's had an unbelievable season. And then I had Bijan, I think I had him third or I've, I've yeah. had him on. My, I've still had Bijan, I think third on mine. Yeah. Second or third on mine in the past few weeks here. So, but that's going to be fascinating. We all know that that award is won in November. So what we're saying right now doesn't super matter a 
uh, I don't think. Well, and it's just weird because, you know, especially when the number one team in the country, like other than, you know, maybe their defensive tackle, Jordan Davis, like who would you say is is the Heisman contender from Georgia, right? So, like, I think it feels right. feels pretty wide open. Um, and uh, I don't know, who knows? Maybe a Big 12 player can uh, get in the mix there. There's certainly, if Bijan puts up monster numbers, I think he has a chance to to go to New York here. And we'll see if Caleb Williams can uh, uh, be so phenomenal over the final stretch here that uh, he could get that kind of consideration. All right, last one here. We, we've got this up on the site this week, too. Um, I believe the national writers revised their four college football playoff picks. So I want to hear if you had to pick a playoff today, uh, what do you think the final four is going to be? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and go at this stage. Here's who I have, and I'm going to explain it. And I know our new big 12 listeners are not going to be happy about this, but I, I have it as Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. And here's why. I don't think the committee has the guts to put Cincinnati in. I still don't believe they have the guts to do it. And I think that if Georgia and Alabama, you know, play in the SEC title game and Alabama wins and they both have one loss, yeah. I just don't see them leaving both of them out. And then if Oklahoma is undefeated, Ohio State has one loss, I just think that they're going to look at all of that. I, I, I would so you, love – So you're thinking 13-0 Oklahoma? Yes, I, I think at this stage okay. they will be. Wow. I think they will be. They haven't – think about this. Their next two games are Kansas and Texas Tech, and then they have a bye, and then their, their last three are all tough, Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. But Oklahoma has not lost a game in the month of November since 2014. Wow. So, That's impressive. I, I want Cincinnati to make it, okay? I want to make that very clear. I yeah. just – if I'm predicting, I don't think the committee has the guts to do it. I guess it depends on how Notre Dame finishes, but I'm going Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, and I am going Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati is going to finish running the table, and I think I'm, I'm going to hope that Notre Dame finishes strong enough to get them there. SMU is good enough on November 20th that that win counts and that the American Athletic Conference champion opponent that they have is good enough to get them there. I think Oklahoma is going to finish strong and win with Caleb Williams right now. I just think they're too good. And I think SC is going to get two teams. I think Alabama is going to win out and Alabama is going to get in because that's what they always do. So uh, it's uh, they'll, they'll, of course, lose to Georgia. Actually, you know what? Now that I think now that I say that, that's not that can't work because if they lose to Georgia in the SEC title game, then they can't get in because they'll, they'll have two losses. So let me revise that right here on the fly. I'll say Georgia, Cincinnati, uh, Oklahoma and Ohio State. OK. All right. Um, I have Georgia one. I think Georgia loses the SEC title game, but it's still number one. I got Ohio State, too, um, because I think that this Big Ten East is fantastic, and the committee is going to pay a lot of respect to whoever wins the Big Ten this year, and, and I think that's going to be Ohio State. Um, they got Penn State coming up here, but I think they're going to go on a run here. I got Alabama, three. I think they went out and win the SEC title game. And then I've got Cincinnati, number four, over Oklahoma. I think it's time for an upset in the Big 12 title game. I don't know if Oklahoma is going to be 11 and 2 or 12 and 1. Um, I think if an un, I think undefeated Bearcats should not get left out. And uh, I, I think that right on. it's possible they get in over uh, over a one loss Big 12 champ. I, I think that uh, probably a lot of people would like to see that. I'm not saying Oklahoma can't be in the playoff, uh, but you know, trying to come up with some bold picks here. And I really want to believe that Cincinnati, if if they if they went out here, I'm not saying the Americans incredible this year, but if they went out, I think they should be in. This feels like a real uh, am I the a hole moment 
uh, for right now. <laughs> that's, that's the one guy. I'm glad we look at it differently. Like, if you got Oklahoma first, like, you know, there's, there's a definitely a good case for that. Yeah. Um, I, I do hope that Cincinnati and you guys may disagree with this. If Cincinnati doesn't get in, I hope they have a little dignity and don't declare themselves national champions, but all right. Um, <laughs> moving on from that, <laughs> still not a fan of that personally. All right, guys. One thing I wanted to do, uh, since we're at the midseason, is go back to our preseason pod where we picked the over-unders, the over-under win totals that Vegas had put out for these teams, and we decided who, what we thought would be over and under for each of these teams. And going back, I can tell you, it has been rather illuminating to hear what we thought back in August. Uh, we were right on some of these, but we were way off on some of them. So I'm going to go down real quick, and just I want you guys to re- react real quick and uh, just – note how off we were on some of these and we'll start we'll go in alphabetical order we'll start at the top with baylor the over under win total for baylor in august was five and a half i win money (laughs) we should have given that out we should have bet the house on that you know i know and well guess what i went under because i thought they'd be a five or six win team uh max you went over and jason jason you went over just barely quote (laughs) Just barely over. Can, over can we leave out that part and just say that I said over? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Max said, I think six is right. So oh, well. You hey, are right. You're today right. Today I am right. Yeah. <laughs> so they have right. to lose out for you to be exactly right. But both you got the over, so you would have cashed that one. Iowa State at nine and a half. All three of us had the over on that. Still possible. Ooh. That's right. Still it possible. is still possible. I, I said that possible. I thought they could go eight and one in conference play. Jason, you said I have them losing to OU and TCU. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so they got to win, but it's regular season, so they have to win out. To hit, regular to season, to right. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not not including the conference championship game of note with these. Okay. Uh, Kansas, one and a half was the, the over-under. How are we feeling? Do we, can they get two? Uh, what do you think, guys? I went under. I went under because I said I don't see them winning a Big 12 game. You guys both went over. And both of you guys had them win in a conference game. Uh, they already lost to te- they already lost to Tech. So mm-hmm. what's it going to happen? Let's look at the schedule real quick. We got <laughs> what do we have left? They have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, K State. Maybe, maybe no, Ooh. no, you don't think so? No, West Virginia no. at the end of the year, maybe. No, FPI gives them an eight percent chance against K State and a nine percent chance against West Virginia. So what do you like better there of those two? I think I like West Virginia better, but I don't like either of them. Yeah, I think I like West Virginia better. Just I, I, I like K-State, but K-State's coming off two games against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Like, you have to – you're going to get beat up those two games. So The three of us keep – sorry. The three of us keep picking Kansas to cover. and uh, Also, they've scored seven points against Baylor, seven against Iowa State, and 14 against Texas Tech. So, we got, we got to get that offense rolling here. They're going to yeah. steal one of these. Yeah, I sent this to you guys. They are 0-6 against the spread, Kansas is this year. I think we all, you know, maybe me and Sam just got really charmed by Lance Leipold. I think we did. Yeah, we <laughs> totally did. That's pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> all right, K-State, five and a half was the, was the number, and I went over. I said I had them winning four conference games. Max went over. He said, but, but to Max's credit, he said, my fear is what if they start two and four? Because Max was a little skeptical. We were that that was the funny thing is we were interested in the and they, and they handled schedule. the non con well. Yeah. The non con went great, three and oh. Because I thought that, I thought they would win all three non conference games and they did, but then they've struggled ever since. Yeah. Uh Jason, you went under. 
you said I could see them losing to West Virginia and Baylor, and that I think they're going to lose one of these early season games, which of course they did not. But wow. but uh, but you do you did have them under, so I think you're in a better position right now. Would, would was, you guys bet Kansas State to win six now? No, not I'm not, not sure right I would now. either. It's hard. It's just hard looking how it's going to get done. But I, yeah, I I was not helping Chris Kleiman out in the preseason. I was really I was really high on them in the preseason i thought i thought this was a good team that was going to be in the mix but i mean they've got texas tech they've got tcu and they got kansas coming up so they could get some momentum here uh west virginia after that so i mean this next four yeah if they start playing better maybe they you're finishing against baylor and and texas so and you could you know you could win those they got a lot of coin flip games here ahead yeah and uh i don't know they could they could hit six or seven they could but yeah um let's go to oklahoma oklahoma's number at the preseason was 11 i went over i'm still feeling i'm feeling even better about that now after yeah. caleb williams yeah. is in the lineup uh max you went under jason pushed 11 so pushed Ugh, yeah he deep. pushed we had <laughs> i know i said that i my i think what my expectation was is that they lose a big 12 game and then they lose in the first round of the in the semifinal and they finish 11 and two i think what 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 like what precedent would like make you think that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Oklahoma State seven and a half was the over under win total. I went under. Uh, that's not looking very good right now. I said I thought they would struggle in conference play, so I was clearly wrong about that. Max, you went over. Oh, thank God. Um, <laughs> you said I think their defense is really good, and but you did say if it was eight and a half that I might go under. So, mm. okay. All right. <laughs> but you're, all right. but you're still over. And then Jason was by far the highest on Oklahoma state of all of us. He said he went over and he said, I think this team could win eight or nine games. You know, there what's you go, weird about Oklahoma state is that I said that. And then early in the season when they barely stuck, <laughs> you jumped state off Boise state. I was like, Oh God, I was wrong. <laughs> and I'll be damned. They're still undefeated. <laughs> so I'll own it. And oh, never a goodness. moment's doubt. Never a moment's doubt. Yeah. Jason TCU seven and a half was the number. We all had them over, all three mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max, I believe your words were TCU to the moon. TCU, <laughs> the defensive line is going to be legit. I, th- I think I tweeted that it was a lock, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. No. Oh, people! Yeah, people, um, people, don't, don't, don't bet your money on me, don't. Jason, you that. said I'm fully over. Uh, the battle for third comes down to TCU in Texas. You said I'm, Jason Kersey. I'm really glad that Sam went and not only listened to all of this, but actually wrote down the thing. The accountability is phenomenal. Yes. I'm, pre- I'm yeah. enjoying this. Yeah. Uh, I said I had him over, and I said I had him only losing to Oklahoma and Iowa State. Well, that's okay. what do we What did we have for Texas? Eight was the number. I initially pushed, but I said if you put, if I had to pick one or the other, I would go under. But I had him as an eight and four team. I said I thought they would split the non conference. Uh, games between Arkansas and Louisiana. And I thought that they would also lose to OU, Iowa State, and TCU. They did not lose to TCU, but uh, but they've lost to Oklahoma State, which I didn't have. Max, you had Texas under eight. So okay. still, still a good shot there right now as they sit four and three midway through the season. And Jason, you also pushed. Uh, Jason, you also asked, uh, this was funny, you also asked if Arkansas wins the game, will they rush the field? Because you heard that discussed, and she he said, I don't think he's just do they you did think they should rush the field? And Jason, you said, Absolutely not. You don't rush the field for being a team that's been mediocre for the last 10 years. <laughs> I I stand by it. They shouldn't have rushed the field. 
I don't know, man. I was there that night, and I certainly understand why they did. Jason, they, if you were uh, in the house, you would have rushed the field. Let's be you would have rushed. Yeah, that's the other thing. I was texting you that night. You would have totally been on the field if you were. You and Buster would have been night. down on that field. That's absolutely. That's absolutely true. All right, couple more left. Texas Tech. The number was five, and I had over. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, I said that I said they'll beat Houston and they'll start three and zero, which they did. Uh, I said they could beat Baylor, West Virginia, and Kansas. Well, they've beaten West Virginia and Kansas, but they did not beat Baylor. And uh, uh, one though I was wrong about them, as I said, I think they're a step ahead in their development over Baylor at this point. And yes, I was high, right. I was high on Tyler Shuck, which of course Tyler's been hurt, so that has hurt him a little bit. But Max, you were over five reluctantly. Oh, thank goodness, because <laughs> they are at five and two right now, so we're in good shape. But you said they could lose their last four, which obviously that's still possibly in play because they're. Their finishing kick is really difficult. Yeah. Um, and Jason was way off on Texas Tech. He said under, and I think it could be a couple games under, oh under boy. five. So. Oh, boy. You had him like three and nine, something like that? <laughs> he had him going three and nine. Uh, oh, boy. So, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be welcomed in Lubbock anytime soon. They're going to throw tortillas at you. But the finishing kick for Texas Tech is Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. So that is a strong finishing that's kick. A, this, that's, that's a toughie. That's this a toughie Kansas there. State game this week for them becomes a must win, I think, uh, yeah, in terms so. of bowl eligibility. Lastly, West Virginia, six and a half was the number. I had them under. I said slightly under. I thought they'd be a six-win team, a bowl team. Uh, Max, you had them over. Uh, big picture, you said they're still one year away. And Jason, you had them under, West Virginia, under the number. So of six and a half. So that one is still – I think I think under right now is where it's trending, where they're sitting at two and four. But uh, but definitely interesting to look back at where we thought these teams were and how good they thought they would be and how wrong we were on some of them. And we were right on a few. So uh, blind squirrel finds a nut every so often. So that was a that was a fun trip down memory lane. <laughs> oh, that was great. That was great. I that I was really wincing was. throughout that because I just don't I just didn't remember any of the picks I made. So yeah. Oh boy. Um, well, speaking of picks, let's wrap this up with our uh, our weekly picks. And just to update everyone on the standings, Max and Sam both went undefeated last week. Yeah, and I did six not. and oh, I did not go undefeated last week. Well, so well, Jason, what is what does Frank Costanza say in the kitchen? I'm back, uh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what else does he say? Serenity now, which is what I'm saying. Right <laughs> which now. is what you mean. Uh, um, <laughs> Um, okay, so to update the standings, Sam is uh, now, you know, pretty solidly in the lead at 33 and 20 on the year. I'm in second at 30 and 23. Max, 25 and 28, but making a rapid. Comeback. I was 10 and 21. Yes, making a rapid comeback. Very impressive. Wow. Very. Impressive. I'm very impressed with myself. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's let's get through these. Uh, let's, let's get through these games this week. Uh, we'll start with Oklahoma. At Kansas, Oklahoma, 38 and a half point favorite. I'm taking OU, guys. Kansas is 0-6 against the spread, so I'm taking Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma to cover, definitely, especially with Caleb Williams. Um, Caleb Williams is better than Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady combined. So I'm gonna take Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm gonna take Oklahoma to cover. Is he gonna wow. become the Chuck Norris of this podcast now? <laughs> let's just build it you know hey positivity right let's just keep building them higher build a legend yes um all right next up let's go to let's go to kansas state at texas tech 
Um, this is our first, I believe, pick them of the season. There is no line. There's no uh, favorite as of our recording this morning. There Thursday is morning. no. Yeah. yeah, there is no uh, there is no favorite in this game. Kansas State at Texas Tech. Sam, let's start with you. I'm going to take the Red Raiders at home. Uh, bounce back with a big win last week. Uh, I mean, it was over Kansas, but hey, they need positivity. Uh, things not trending well at K State, uh, so I'm going to give I'm going to give Tex at home. I'm going to say they're going to throw some tortillas happily at the Jones. I'm a, I'm going to take uh, and we were running out of time here, so I'll speed it up. I'm going to take K State in the it just just. Straight up, I think K State needs this one and and uh, and find finds a way. And, and, and this was a pretty close one last year. Yep, K State for me as well. And uh, I agree, Max. We are uh, we're we're coming up against it here. So uh, <laughs> and we got a lot of games to get through. We do. Um, all right. Next up, we got Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Uh, this is a very interesting game. Uh, for Vegas, a lot of reasons. Vegas knows some stuff, don't they? What, Iowa what's State up with this by line? seven, and I don't. I I like Oklahoma State. I like Cal- I like the Cowboys to cover the number, but I, I offensively after seeing them last week against Texas, th- that game was close enough that they hung around. They actually were able to finish and, and get some things going in the fourth quarter. But it took three quarters for them to get going offensively. So I think Iowa State wins this game, but I- I'll say Oklahoma State covers the number just based on how well they play defensively right now. Yeah, I. I'm gonna take man. I, I don't, think don't betray your Cyclones here, Max. No, Sam's Sam's right. Seven is a lot. Um, I all right. We'll go clones. We'll go clones. And uh, man, it's going to take a really nice offensive performance. But they've they've you know Brees Hall and, and Brock Purdy are, are are really clicking now and playing well. Um, so I'll I'll take him to cover the seven. Uh, but that I thought that line was we got we got a tweet about it early on in the week, and and I I don't know how to explain it. I think that tweet that line is a little bit fishy here, and and tells you what Vegas really thinks of Oklahoma State. Last uh, big tw- last current Big Twelve game uh, of the week is West Virginia at TCU. TCU a four and a half point favorite. I got TCU. Uh, Max, what do you got? Um, yeah, I'll take TCU as well. Uh, really, I'll t- four and a half. Yeah, I got I got TCU covering it. Uh, really, would not be surprised if this went the other way, though. I mean, I just. I, it, it's time for West Virginia to, to, to start to put it together here and play with some urgency, and, and this would be a good week to, to get it going. I'm going to take West Virginia to cover the number here. Uh, I think TCU should win, but, boy, they have been so up and down this year, and I thought they played well against Oklahoma, but uh, at least offensively. Defensively, they've been poor, though. And yeah. Zach Evans is beat up. Uh, you know, they're beat up on defense. I'm going to say West Virginia stays within the four and a half here. Okay. All right. So now we're going to move into our future Big 12 teams. Uh, we got a Friday night game, Memphis at UCF. Uh, Memphis a one one point favorite, and I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Memphis. I'll take the Tigers. Give me Memphis to cover on the road against UCF. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Memphis as well. All right. Now now we're moving along. Cincinnati at Navy. Cincinnati a 28 point favorite. Uh, I have. I have thought some of these lines are too big and picked against them, and I'm not going to make that mistake again. So, Cincinnati. They are not too big. Cincinnati is getting all the style points. Bearcats cover against Navy. Yeah, 20, 28 seems like a lot, but I'll, I'll, Cincinnati feels like a safe pick here. 
All right, two more to go. East Carolina at Houston. Houston is a 13 and a half point favorite. We'll start with the uh with the Cougars alum, Sam. Houston, I think, wins, but I think East Carolina is gonna cover here. East Carolina's played well. Uh they've they've been competitive. Uh this this is coming off an open date for Houston, but I think ECU covers. I just got a funny feeling about that. Yeah. Yeah. I I I I I'm I'm torn on this one. I'm gonna go Houston cover the 13 and a half. Um, and man, you look at that that schedule for Houston, it's setting up real nice here. Uh where SMU is gonna be a massive game next week, uh, especially if you win this one. But um, you know, when you don't have Cincinnati on the schedule, they're they're in good shape here. And I'm going to go with uh, Houston as well. And we've got one more to go. Uh, this is a pretty fascinating game. We've got BYU at Washington State. A few things going on up in uh, Pullman uh, this week. <laughs> Just a few. Just a few. BYU is a four-point favorite. I like – I'm smashing that BYU. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't – I can't say that I know enough about Washington State's, like, uh, coaching depth chart. I mean, did they call up, like, four guys? Yeah, to, to, to take these assistant uh, assistant roles here too. Like, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, I don't think to me. There's no doubt. I got to go BYU on this one. What do you guys think? Yeah, just because I think if it was just if it was just Rolovich that was gone and you're promoting interim and you have the whole staff intact, I think it's probably probably doable. But and Washington State has won three in a row here too, and BYU yeah. hasn't hasn't played that great lately. So it's a slightly it's slightly tempting to go with Washington State, but yeah. But home? I mean, BYU, I, BYU needs one. They need one. They, yeah. They've dropped the last two. Uh, I think BYU goes up there and, and gets it done. Yeah, I, I think BYU uh, covers the four. And it, it, I think it's just a too, too dysfunctional a week for Washington State to, uh, to play a good game here against a, a, a good team. Well, awesome. Well, guys, we, we got through it. Uh, great episode. Thanks guys. through it. What is that? I mean, we got through it. We get to do this. We get to do this. That's not, that's you're, you're misunderstanding my, the, the, the intent of my words. Positivity. I, Jason. I, it was Come positive. On, man. My point was we talked about a lot of things today. We, we, we really got through it. Um, of course it's a joy and a pleasure to be with you guys always. So yes. I did not, I, I didn't, sorry for the misunderstanding. I did not, <laughs> I did not mean it that way. All right. Well, uh, well, thanks guys. And thanks to you as always for listening. We're here every Thursday in the Andy Staples show and friends feed. So if you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our stories on the athletic. And if you're not yet a subscriber to the athletic, you can sign up with our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com slash one true pod. That's O N E true pod. You're going to get comprehensive coverage of this big 12 season and so much more. So now is a great time to sign up. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.